In this episode of Investors and Operators, I sit down with Tyler Fair, CEO and co-founder of SourceGrub. We are talking about entrepreneurship, the ups, the downs, and the journey that we have been on. Uh, Tyler, before we kind of dive into the, the journey, can we give a snapshot of what is SourceGrub? Where are you guys at now? Yeah, so we're about 40 employees here in the U.S., um, but we have a, a large um, offshore research organization of about 600 people at this stage, as well as um, development resources uh, overseas of about 20 people. Um, and uh, there's a lot of offshore kind of theme there to our company, um, but having not raised any capital, that was, uh, you know, sort of a good option for us to do things on um on a budget basis. And actually they've worked out really well, probably better than what we could have gotten here in, you know, in the States. Can you talk about just the high level of what source scrub is, who you serve and, and you know, why people use source scrub? So we primarily work with um, investment professionals and investment bankers who are very concerned about their own pipeline their own business. They think of it as their own business. They want to be smart in a specific sector. They want to know all the entrepreneurs in the space such that when it does come time to do a transaction, you know, they're on the radar either as an advisor um, uh, or a, a potential investor. And so they use our platform um, to give them insights around that private company universe and, and help them build their own pipelines. Um, all right. So let's rewind. When did you start source grub with your co-founder and what is the founding story of this uh so we started it in 2015 um got together with uh, a buddy of mine from middle school um sort of prior to launch and uh he was the tech and i was kind of the you know the person that had the pain uh that i was trying to go solve uh thinking that there was a good and um you know need out there uh, and so went to him, we whiteboarded, you know, had multiple sessions, um, laying out what, what the platform would ultimately look like. Um, but we really just started investing in our research team and we always had a focus on very high quality data, um, and a high throughput, uh, in scaling that team. Um, if you think about it, uh, um, the research that we're doing, uh, the data that, um, SourceGrub provides has traditionally been done through the lower ranks of the org chart, be it an analyst or an associate. We're saving uh, hours out of their week, um, days out of the month, uh, months out of the year, when it comes to uh, helping them do one of their core responsibilities, which is go source and become an industry expert in the markets that they're covering. So when um, you're uh, partnering with your your buddy from middle school, um, did he have like a full stack skill set or what, yeah. what was his Computer kind of science major out of Berkeley, um, focus in artificial intelligence. Okay. So he was everything. He made a much better I decision than I did. <laughs> when I co-founded Jet Maven, I didn't know what a full stack, a, a half stack, a front, front end, a back end. I didn't know what the heck I was talking about. And I made every possible mistake you could ever make from a technical perspective. It was ridiculous. Well, that was, um, I mean, that was big, right? Uh, knowing the problem uh, firsthand, uh, having, um, you know, come from a firm struggling with that, um, uh, that data and that research motion, um, I knew the business, knew the end mark, knew the pain, knew how we needed to 
you know, build this thing, but I knew nothing about technology. And so really to get the gumption to start something like this for me required someone like Prescott who um, could really take ownership over the technology piece of the business and kind of handle everything else. Um, and ultimately that evolved and we all, you know, kind of do, do different, do different things now. But Where are we uh, at in life in 2015 and starting it, you know, how difficult it was kind of going through your head when you were leaving Sarah. Yeah. Good question. I had just gotten married. Uh, so <laughs> did, wait, advice, did you leave after or before you got married? Uh, uh, left after I got married, had the idea actually on our honeymoon, um, uh, for, for source scrub. And, um, yeah, I would just say, uh, starting a business at the beginning of a new marriage is, uh, one challenge in and of itself, but, um, but here we are on the other side with a, you know, four-year-old baby girl and a, another one on the way. <laughs> um, you know, my, my wife over the past four years, I think that we've learned so much more about each other and the, the marriage has actually gotten so much stronger and better. Cause you see completely different sides of someone. We're like, Hey, we literally don't know how we're going to pay bills next month. And you know, good to have to go through those, those downs with <laughs> I mean, um, that's the truth, right? There are tons of high, uh, highs, but the, the lows are just as low and there's not really much of being in between as, as many entrepreneurs have said, you know, before me, but having someone to go through those with is huge. Right? Do you think that you're better at, or how do you think that you're able to handle those ups and downs because now you have the same ups and downs, but they're just in a different stage of the business. You know, that was where just we had so much support from day one, be it, you know, my last firm in Sarant uh, coming on as the, you know, per, uh, first customer. But uh, folks in the industry um, bought into our mission and vision such that when we had a problem, we could just go to them. Think of it as an unofficial customer panel, but these are all people who are now customers today and saw what we were trying to build, leaned in hard, gave us really critical feedback that we needed as a bootstrap company without a ton of resources, right? Yeah. To know where to hone in, know where to fix problems and where to invest um, to get the most value for, for, um, for this market and our customers. So what was the MVP like? Uh, good question. MVP was actually a, um, we only had a research team. We had no platform uh, that we have today. Yeah. And uh, folks were accessing our data, SourceGrub's data off of my personal Dropbox account. And I kind of <laughs> had everything organized by industry. Uh, but uh, that was interesting times. And then ultimately just making that shift from Dropbox to a, you know, a website really all it did was replace the, the Dropbox. There's, you still just go in and you, you download a list off of our website and then you take it out to Excel. Now it's all integrated into CRM. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of reasons why you would just use SourceScrub's platform to sort of push things where you needed to go and get data in a place to use it. What was, um, so, I mean, where did you get this startup money? Was it you and you and Prescott just uh, for the first 12 months coming out of the bank account or, you know, was Sarah say, Hey, here's a year long contract or here's a month long contract. I mean, where'd you get the startup money? 
Yeah, no, uh, we, we had customer day one. So, um, you know, with that, we had uh, money coming in the door and it was a month to month agreement. Okay. Um, so we were, you know, they had the option to fire us every month. Uh, thankfully, they never did. Um, but was it a, uh, did you have like a contract or was it here's an email, go off, here's 5K, make me more money? Or like, what was it? And I want to say that because I didn't have anything. <laughs> well, no, I, I was, uh, you know, I was, I was put through the ringer, um, obviously, you know, uh, beating up the idea uh, prior to ever launching. But um, uh, no, it was, hey, this um, makes a ton of sense right at the time we were doing it internally, like the rest of the industry. And it's like, this makes a ton of sense for how we want our go-to-market effort or origination function to evolve over the next five years. And, um, and, and so we were perfectly aligned from the start and, and um, it's been valuable for, for both ends. How long did it take to go from um, the idea on your honeymoon to having that first legit MVP to show Saren? Yeah, about, about, um, so first conversation was probably five months after that. And then like, you know, we were up and running maybe seven or eight months after that, but, uh, yeah, I would say kind of made the decision mid 2014. Um, and then basically was able to launch, you know, first day of 2015. So, so for people who either have an idea that does have a strong technology component um, or they would like to do something like that. You know, they might have an idea and they want to execute on it, but they don't know like the technical founder, they don't know the technical piece. You know, what is some, what's some advice that you have to the entrepreneurs out there who want to do a tech enabled startup or a tech enabled business idea? I don't, I don't really have any original advice of my own. It's from others, but you know, you look at Tim Ferriss and sort of just taking that MVP concept. And one that always stuck to me was, you know, Groupon was initially just an email that went out and, um, you know, kind of took that, uh, with what we did with just putting things in Excel and up on Dropbox. Um, so I would just say, try to find the most fundamental piece of value that you're trying to deliver. And, go test it out without trying to make it perfect. It's very easy, you know, to see if you can get value um, from some of it. And having a network helps too, right? To have the right people to bounce ideas off of. And so, you know, hopefully the entrepreneur is going into a market that they, you know, that they know or can be dangerous in and um, uh, has the discipline to spend as little money as possible to figure out if there's value here. It's interesting because, you know, this is making me think how when we were starting Debt Maven, I was not scratching my own itch. I had not felt that personal pain of it's difficult to do a debt financing because I'd never done a single debt deal in my life. Um, and I think that for so many years, you know, I was a square peg in a round hole. And when you're in year two or year three of that, if you don't have that passion, then life is going to suck. And which is a very different experience than what we have now. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs just like, Oh, I want to start a business as opposed to like a problem oriented 
like a solution oriented approach to starting a business. Like here's a big problem. I know I, I here's, there's gotta be a better way to do this as opposed to let's go find a problem. Yeah. I mean, not everybody is Mark Zuckerberg that can start something in their dorm room. Right. And like, it goes to, you know, back to how you think about your career prior to becoming that entrepreneur um, and your own boss, but don't look at it as a means to make money. Look at it as a means to learn and to grow and to develop the skill set that you need to then go and accomplish what you want to accomplish in your career. If it's start a company, great. Go get the experience. Um, go work for really good people um, so that you've seen how they operate and then you can try to model that as best as you possibly can. Um, but working for good people, I can't stress how important that was. Did you know that you would always go down an entrepreneurial path? Or did it kind of? No, no, no. Uh, it was really just frustration in, 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 my, in, in, in the environment um, that I was trying to succeed in, not having the tools to do it. Um, and I was like, how has somebody not gone and done this yet? Okay, you're up, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I realize I'm just unemployable. So... <laughs> Yeah, at this stage, that might be that might be true for me. Who knows? <laughs> um, what's the so what's like the first big roadblock that you guys hit, and kind of how'd you get through it? Uh, yeah, that was that was like two months into it, and um, you know, I was basically working from my mom's house, um, you know, kind of the garage type type story, and uh, my partner had a had a um, was living in the city at the time. And I woke up and, you know, early riser. So I get up and I get the Dan Primack report as soon as it comes yeah. in. And I noticed um, uh, there was a company that raised uh, uh, about 5 million bucks from, uh, I think it was Google Ventures and Goldman to effectively, you know, had a very similar mission to what we wanted to do, except they had, you know, 5 million. And at some stage they got to 10 million of raised and, and we had none. And so just thinking back on our initial business plan, it's like, hey, we wanted to bootstrap this. Does this change anything? And ultimately at that time, we had seen enough traction with our research team and it was scaling very well that we felt we had the winning recipe to go get quality data at a high throughput to keep up with the demand of our market. And we were going to focus on this market without having any distractions um, and other use cases, right? Chief marketing officer. Coming in. Chief marketing officer is coming in. <laughs> hey, this can now be a business expense, diapers or whatever. Um, that's why. I, that's the only reason why I brought my kid ACG. I can write off that stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> He's been to a couple. Yeah, absolutely. I, we uh, we landed from Shanghai and went to ACGLA, and our daughter. I strapped her on the, like the carrier in the front. I was just walking around ACGLA. <laughs> I was at that event. You and I didn't know each other at the time, but I remember that. That was great. That was, that was yeah, that was, that was early on. Uh, uh, fun times. Um, so what was it, what was going through your head when you saw $5 million from Goldman and Google Ventures going into uh, a well, And you guys, I assume, did not have $5 million in the bank there. Yeah, I guess, um, you know, thinking, will my old employer hire me back uh, <laughs> type, type, oh, no, uh, you know, um, moment. But uh, but honestly, that's where the partnership is so key. Right. Like 
Um, I like to think of, uh, you know, uh, my co-founder and I as just sort of yin and yang. And so the things that, um, you know, come up as roadblocks uh, and may have concerned me, you know, didn't, he, he wouldn't bat an eye at it. Um, and, uh, and I think that's just what got us, got us through it was just a, a strong partnership. Um, yeah. So let's talk about co-founder issues. I've had a fair amount. Um, how, how have you guys, I mean, you guys knew each other since middle school. What was, school. Yeah. <laughs> you know, over the past, was it five years now, six years or so since you guys have been doing this? Like, what is the co-founder journey that you've been on? And like, how did you navigate? Maybe if you guys were buttonheads sometimes, or how have you guys just kind of kept together through this journey? I think just having similar values um, and uh, um, knowing each other's strengths and weaknesses um, and, and having reasonable expectations of one another um, has led to a good partnership. In, I mean, there hasn't been uh, many, if any, battles. And in fact, if my partner is upset with me, I know that I'm usually doing something wrong and uh, I probably need a change whatever it is that got him upset or, or, but there haven't been many instances of that in six years um, all around. I just, yeah, couldn't be, couldn't be happier with the partnership there. That's awesome. It's it's so tough because let's say that somebody has an idea and they're missing a skill set. You know, like I didn't have any of the technical size. All right, go find a technical co-founder. Like in retrospect, unless I actually know someone really strong, that was the dumbest decision I could have done for that business. It's better to, you know, hire instead of a CTO, like a junior or a mid-level, I hired too high, too fast, too young, too much equity. And, and, you know, it was interesting because like, I think in retrospect, either find somebody, you know, fork up the money or find the money to get like an outsourced dev team just to get the MVP as opposed to getting into a marriage with the co-founder who you just met on founderdate.com. Yeah, I think that is where networking comes into play and your diligence prior to going into any new venture. Um, See if you can get the pieces to line up before spending any money whatsoever. And obviously, any entrepreneurial journey generally starts as sort of a side idea or, you know, um, something that you're thinking about alongside being gainfully employed. That brings up another good point though, which is um, when did you decide to make the leap and what ducks, to what extent were the ducks in order before you did? Yeah. I mean, first it was the idea, then it was, um, uh, you know, reaching out to, to my buddy who ultimately became our, our technical co-founder. And, uh, and then it was, um, you know, figuring out how I could um, have stars aligned so that we didn't need to raise any money, right? And so we thought about that. How do we do this without raising any money? And then ultimately, it was like, well, hey, we're solving the pain point for what I'm doing today, maybe, maybe they would want to be a customer and that might solve some of our financing, early financing needs. So I had a conversation and have my ducks in a row. And, um, in terms of that, 
you know, that cover that presentation to, to um, Sarant and uh, it made all the sense in the world for, for both them to do it as a customer. I mean, there was clear savings um, and for us to go give it a shot um, given that we had, you know, a customer, uh, we had a technical person to handle the tech and I knew the problem and that's kind of all you need um, to start. What was the kind of the next chapter? So Sarah done, they're happy, they're growing with you. It's, you know, mid late 2015, but like, what do you think is the next chapter of the business that you guys had? So uh, next chapter of the business, we're, we're growing. Um, we are in growth mode at the, uh, at the moment. And um, I think that uh, for us, we want to be a category leader. Um, no, I'm sorry, let's rewind like 2016, 2017. What was like the next chapter after startup? We're going to live to fight another day. We have money in the bank, but like, what is 2016, 2017, 2018 look like? Set, set some goals and try to hit them. Add a customer a month, um, you know, was kind of all we could do. Take, and then once you added that customer, figure out where you want to invest it. Uh, that was kind of 2016 in a nutshell. And then um, ultimately got to a point where we were around a million of revenue in 2017 after um, uh, after two years of operating. And um, and at that point, it was go to market and throw fuel on this fire. Um, and so that's when, you know, kind of your management hat has to be put on and you have to think about where you want to plug people into the business and who those people are going to be. We were fortunate enough to be selling into a very sophisticated end market um, where a lot of the people that we brought onto the team sort of found us or knew of a customer that was using us and could ping them, hey, what do you think about this company source grub? They got an opening, you know, thinking about it type stuff. And there was, um, there was, uh, we, we just attracted the right talent. And so at that point, it was about, you know, the idea was taking off and it was just about trying to hire smart people, get out of their way to your point of micromanagement and, um, and let them do their jobs that you hire them for and be very specific about what that is. Mm. What's that balance that maybe you have experienced in the hiring where, you know, in the beginning, it's like, do you have a pulse? Fantastic. Let me tell you about my company. Can you please work with us? <laughs> um, versus hiring people who are truly excellent at that particular function, you know, what stage and, you know, some people grow with the business, they, they level up as you're going. Um, you know, I'm curious, like how you kind of manage that. And at what point it's like, you know what, I, we, we need to hire the best people for this and we, we can either can't afford it, or we're going to find a way to afford this. I think that early stage, you're trying to find future entrepreneurs. Mm. Uh, you're trying to find people that have that figure it out mentality. Um, and then beyond that, you know, it's what can you bring to our company in terms of heart, um, hustle and, and industry experience or um, domain experience in the, in, the, in the function they were coming in to run or build. So in the beginning, it was like hire for the mentality of, can this person just be autonomous and just figure it out? Like, mm -hmm. yeah, Swiss you, like you said, you don't have time. You don't have time when you're, when you're growing, you got to let, um, 
you got to let people uh, kind of flourish and um, hope they hope they work out, help them work out. Um, and thankfully, we were. I don't think we ever missed on a on a key hire. What was kind of the um, how do you think that you've grown as a leader and manager over the past five plus years? Uh, it, it, so I've all, um, this is going to be this is going to come off as intellectually lazy, but I've always tried to make myself as useless as possible. Um, it's just, it's kind of what you have to do if you want the company to survive, you know, you and, um, you know, so for, uh, for so long there, I was managing the customer success function. Um, and then at some point I was like, my highest, best use is getting out to, um, other origination professionals in the industry that will, that would buy into our mission. And the customers needed to kind of um, be managed by, by someone other than me because my um, that wasn't my, my highest best use uh, as I saw it. And so um, just bringing on someone to own the customer relationship, solve their problems um, was, was huge for, for us, and provided a, a ton of bandwidth for me and the sales team um, to the point where, uh, I could, you know, spend a hundred percent of my time focused on growing the top line, uh, or with product. Did, um, was there a point when you kind of shifted most of your time away from sales to more working on the business as opposed to in the business at that function? So, uh, definitely in 2015 and 2016, yeah. because there was no one else. And so in 2015, um, I was doing all the quality assurance on the data that went into the platform. And uh, happy to say all of our customers felt we had really strong data, uh, still do. Um, but uh, that quickly ate up, once we had a handful of customers that quickly ate up all my time. Yeah. Then we hired, uh, we hired our first um, sales rep and um, uh, that, um, basically allowed us to fill the top of the pipeline um, because I just didn't have time to, to do that. Um, and so I was able to sort of do research and later stage sales conversations when there was something real. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, how do you think about your, your time in the day and the week? You know, do you have a particular structure to, to the week for example, like Friday's Tyler time, nobody talked to me because I just need to go deep in my own thoughts and figure out what's the next three years look like. No, man, uh, I love, uh, I think we got a great team here. I'm, uh, I'm always uh, open to, to talking to folks, whether it's, um, you know, weekdays or weekends, uh, whatever's on their mind. Um, but generally, you know, we try to get organized at the beginning of the week. Um, in our, the nice thing in our industry is that a lot of, uh, a lot of um, investment committee me meetings happen on Monday. And so, you know, the, maybe the phones are a little bit lighter uh, on a Monday. So get organized on a Monday um, and then uh, just try to make your numbers that week so yeah. they can make that, you know, make that month. 
Yeah, it's uh, time management, I think, is interesting at the earliest stages of a business because it's you want to move around everything when like a potential sale is coming in. You're like, all right, cancel everything, <laughs> like move <laughs> around everything. And, and when I, I've had to learn how to still respect like the team's time. For example, like if we have an internal review, like just keep that. Yes, that proposal, yes, that sale is important, but like it's also equally important to respect my team's time. Very true. Um, never try to miss a meeting. I mean, I, I learned very early on at my time um, in Sarah that uh, 80, 85% of life is showing up. Hmm. What's the next chapter look like? Uh, growth. Um, the team taking the mantle. Uh, the, the team is uh, highly autonomous and um, I am uh, basically just in it for, for um, their own individual success at the moment, making them leaders. And, and what I really want for them, uh, for our team is to have an incredible story to take with them from Source Scrub. Who knows what happens to this business at the, um, but, uh, but I want them to be able to point to, you know, at least three or four things and say, I own that and we were successful and here was the story. What do you think is kind of like the, the, you know, I, I sorry, I'm stuck on the entrepreneurial story here. Um, so like, you know, for what, what do you think is some of the, the big picture things that you've learned from the past five or six years about entrepreneurship that people just need to keep in the front of their mind? whether they're the thick of it on the, on the struggle bus <clears throat> or they're thinking about doing it because they've been working for somebody else for 10 years. Set attainable goals and chase them uh, until you uh, either meet them or die trying. <laughs> um, I think at the, it, it's hard to think about in terms of years and not months when you're an entrepreneur at the very early stage, but I strongly suggest um, just thinking about things six months at a time uh, at, at a maximum when you're starting a company. Um, Did you have those kind of clear goals in terms of like, if this doesn't happen by this date, then all right, time to go look for something else. Uh, geez, did I ever put a, a drop dead date on it? I never did. I never did. Um, just a waste of time thinking about it, you know? Yeah. My wife did two times to me. <laughs> she said, you have a hundred days to raise your first round or you're moving on. Well, if circumstances were differently different, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe she would have said the same thing. Right. Um, but, uh, but, but I was dragging it too long and it just, I think I, that's an interesting part about entrepreneurship is like that balance between eternal optimism versus delusion. Yeah. Yeah, well, can't be entirely hard-headed. Part of entrepreneurialism is sort of just wanting to prove people wrong, right? Someone says you can't do it. And so, but, you know, someone tells you you can't do it. Who is that person? What is their opinion? How is it informed? And should you, how should you weigh it? What do you think motivates you as kind of a, as an entrepreneur? Yeah, I think uh, in my, I think the origination profession, I mean, if, if, uh, if I didn't have this idea, I'd still be in private equity doing, you know, what I loved about private equity. And that was origination. Um, and, 
I think just hearing so many CEOs in, in that role, doing my job, hearing how so many CEOs made it sound easy. Hmm. It was like, well, okay, well, then I can go and do it. And I think that was just, just it. Um, I think anyone can do it, right? Just get your ducks in a row. <laughs> Man, this has been awesome. Um, I've been doing the Spanish Inquisition of questions here just because like the story is super interesting and you have succeeded in the entrepreneurial journey. And it's, it's just been absolutely awesome to kind of dig through this and unpackage a story. Well, I applaud the um, persistence and resilience that, um, you know, debt Ma- the, the founder, you know, Debt Maven and now 51 Labs and the progress that you guys have made in becoming a thought leader in this space. Um, it turns a lot of heads and it helps a lot of people. Um, and so keep doing what you're doing. I appreciate it. And we'll keep partnering, hopefully. <laughs> but appreciate it. Have an awesome weekend. Yeah.